next and last stop is Atlantic Avenue Barclays Center. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. lot of Nets podcasts. I mean, Oof. the only Net fans you know, the only what, the only Nets fans you know, at least they've got some self-aware. I mean, come on, Look man. Where are these guys? Welcome back to the only Net fans you know podcast. I'm Peter. As always, I'm joined by my friend and fellow Nets confidant, Charlie. What's going on? We're back again, as usual, but this time it's really special. Why? Because... Pete, this is our 50th episode. We've made it. It's been about several years podcasting this godforsaken team, wishing they'd be the Swamp Dragons, wishing they'd change their name and change their identity. But yet, here we are, still Nets fans, 50 episodes later. 50 episodes and going and growing. Let's just jump straight into it. State of the Nets. We're in the offseason right now. We're waiting for the draft. It's coming up on June 22nd. On June uh, 29th, we have free agency starting. Not a lot of Nets news. Brooklyn is obvious one is another obvious one because Mikael Bridges is my dog too. Uh, actually, the biggest story coming out this week had to do with Mikael Bridges. He's going to join Team USA's FIBA roster. I'm nervous he might get hurt. How do you feel? Extremely nervous he's going to get hurt, and um, we're going to have Darren Williams 2.0 all over again. You remember that's how Darren Williams hurt his ankles and never was the same point guard ever again. As fans, we kind of really, really take it for granted. We're not thinking that this guy's playing 40 minutes a night, then he has to go travel to across, you know, across the United States, play two games, three games a week, travel again. It's a lot on, on athletes' bodies, and uh, I, you can make a good argument that it's good experience, and this is where uh, players, quote-unquote, team up. For later in their careers, if they want to join a super team later on, this is where it would happen. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like we're literally one Mikel Bridges injury away from being a lottery lock. Which is nice because don't we have our lottery picks coming up? Or some, some of them? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what we have anymore? But, no, nah, dude, I'm horrified that Mikel's going to get hurt. And, um... Yeah, man, the law averages. What can I tell you? The guy's been healthy for so long. Eventually, something's gonna, someone's gonna give, right? God forbid. But like you said, there's a lot of miles on legs, man. You saw what happened to Patty Mills after the Olympics. He started out super hot for the Nats. He had a great first half, and then he started to fizzle out. His legs started to get tired. And um, as we know, Joe Harris wasn't healthy that year, so Patty had to take a lot of those minutes. So we weren't really expecting the Patty to carry such a heavy role, but you could tell those minutes he played in the Olympics for Team Australia, he had a great run. They won a bronze, I think, first medal. But man, it's it, I, I don't like I don't like the fact that they put the extra miles on their legs. However, as a former athlete, I find that the best practice and experience is game experience. But more importantly, I'm just worried that our best player is going to get hurt. I always think of the Paul George injury and, you know, that's obviously the worst case scenario. You, you never want to see something like that. And Bridges is just too important to this team and this franchise to be out for the year or 
hurt at all because of something like this. Yeah, the Athletic came out with a report saying that the Nets are, quote-unquote, not interested in training bridges. And often teams will do some smokescreen stuff to try to drive up prices. This is not the case for Bridges and the Nets. He's the franchise guy going forward. He's their man. They like him. He likes Brooklyn. It's a good match. And, uh, you know, if they were going to trade him, they were going to trade him for the first for those four first-round picks that Memphis was offering us or in a similar deal to another team. It's not going to happen. I think Portland fans are just trying to gas themselves up to try to get Mikael Bridges onto the Blazers so Dame can get his one last shot at a ring. Man, like I said, yeah, I made a good point. Like, you, we get all those first-round picks at that point. So, like, the Nets are pretty much bought in on them. Like, it's it's even, like, to the point where allegedly executives are not even calling the Nets because even if they, they basically hang up the phone as soon as you call asking about them. So, basically, you got to basically give the Nets, like, Luka Doncic. To make it interesting at that point. Another report came out. I'm not sure if it's from Bleacher Report or Michael Scotto that the Nets are going to match anything that uh, that is thrown at Cam Johnson in this free agent period. Of course, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, he's expected to get a nice deal. Houston has a lot of cap. It looks like they may be going after him, and uh, he's going to get a nice, pretty penny. And when you like, we've said this a hundred times. When you trade KD and the second biggest piece of the deal is a young player like Cam Johnson, you can't just let him walk for nothing. You have to at least get some picks back. Um, I I don't think the Nets are going to go that route. I think they're just going to match anything as long as it's not like a humongous, uh, like out of this world overpay. Yeah, Pete, let's be real. The second biggest part of the deal was Montrezl Harrell. Was it Montrezl Harrell in that trade? No. I think you're thinking of Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, God damn it. Oh, man, I feel horrible. You right, should. Well, you're a piece of shit. I am a piece of shit. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is the second biggest piece in that deal. Add him to the list of another net that was people you never expect to be a net for a hot second, but is. Like Dwight like Howard. Howard. Like Greg Monroe. <laughs> yeah, dude, I... We we have I think we talked last time about this, but yeah I we I want I mean he's definitely he has a good chemistry with Bridges, and if Bridges is your guy going forward, then you got to invest in the people around him and who who he's comfortable playing with. He's basically played his whole career with Cam Johnson going forward, and you got to think chemistry is going to be built up to a point where these guys have full trust in each other. And Cam Johnson is an up and coming shooter. I mean we've seen him in the playoffs, last playoffs really kind of. I wouldn't say carry us, but he was doing most of the scoring load. He was the most efficient scorer for us by far. We needed buckets. He was there. He was hitting his threes. He Was he consistent for us all year? No, but he threw him into a new environment with new players and new coach. What do you expect to happen? You can't expect everyone to blossom right away. As far as, like, what contract is he worth matching? I don't know. Like, you, you got to – the Nets are basically prepared to match anything within reason. I don't know what, what's outside of reason for them. I, I got to assume a max contract is out out of reason for him, right? Oh, yeah, I would assume so, yeah. So what do you think he would make? Somewhere in the 16 to $20 million range? They say four years, $90 million is going to be, you know, where, where everything starts and stops. It's going to be around there. But you never know in, in the NBA. 
But if I was a betting man, I would say that Cam Johnson is going to be in black and white next year. What that's gonna that's that's not gonna give the Nets a lot of flexibility. You have to do something with Spencer Dinwiddie's contract. Obviously, Joe Harris's contract. They're gonna have. They're gonna be. I wouldn't say completely hamstrung because you can, you know, as we know, you can afford close to three maxes if you may play your cards right. But then again, it doesn't leave a lot of room for depth. You're left with getting guys, you know, cheap like Yuta, um, you know, like Patty. Yeah, Patty Mills for the year. I actually really like Ed Sullivan. I want him back, and I think he should be our primary backup point guard going forward. Hot take. Huh? A lot of people say that. I like what he brings to the table. Yeah, he's a little smaller on defense, man. But God damn, he's fast. Mm. Anything else about Cam Johnson? Or do you want to get into the coaching hires? Um, That's it for Cam Johnson, not for me, on my end. The Nets added Ronnie Burrell, who was the coach for the Long Island Nets last year, G League Coach of the Year. And the big surprise, very big surprise out of nowhere, the Nets added Kevin Ollie to, to, the, uh, to the staff. Of course, he won uh, NCAA tournament with UConn. Uh, he joined the overtime elite the last two years, working with kids going from high school, going into the draft via the G League. Just an amazing guy overall, former NBA player, not uh, not a guy that you would think would be a captain of a team, considering he didn't pick up the biggest numbers, but big professionalism guy. He was actually a captain of the Timberwolves a couple of years back. Kevin Durant and OKC said they benefited, benefited greatly by having him on the team. This is a, from an interview from Grantland a couple of years ago. KD said that Kevin Ali taught him the ropes and changed the culture of Oklahoma City. Kevin Ali, well, he was a game changer for us. I think he changed the whole culture in Oklahoma City. Just his mindset, professionalism every day. And that it rubbed off on Westbrook, myself, Jeff Green, and James Harden. Very, very interesting hire. I believe he actually uh, played a couple games for the Nets back in New Jersey. And I, I was talking to you about this. I think he interviewed for the Nets job maybe when the Nets were going after Jason Kidd oh, a couple years back. I actually think he didn't. He I thought he went – was it Jason Kidd or when they were doing the Hollins interview? I forgot. Yeah, man, as, as, as far as Kevin Ollie goes, I think that's a great hire. Clearly, players are comfortable around them, young players especially. It's great for a culture you plan to build, especially guys like Cam Thomas who has been, you know – Rather moody, as you can say. You know, and that's all about development. And I think they got a great staff for development, which, you know, which basically leads me into uh, Ronnie Burrell going to your development point. I want to touch on him a bit. I mean, that's a hell of a thing to do is, is I don't know how often that happens in the NBA. Is hire is promote your G League coach to an assistant head coach in the NBA. I'm not sure. I'm just. I'm just curious. I, we should have had this looked up before doing the episode, but it happened. I'm thinking about. It. I wonder how many times in the NBA that's actually happened. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse, Will Jerry Winter. Stackhouse. He's a he's a head coach of Wake Forest. Uh, he was with Toronto, Toronto's G League team. He won head coach of the year. Then I believe he might have been on Toronto's 
roster, but uh, uh, not roster, uh, on their staff. Might be wrong with that, but I'm pretty sure he was at some point. But um, it does happen. This does happen. Yeah, I think he's a head coach of a uh, college team now. Probably right. Yeah, but no, yeah, like I said, it's it's great that you can promote these guys and show that this is good organizational culture. You know, if people do good jobs, if people work, you know, work hard and you see results and they give you good results, you're supposed to show them that, you know, it's not for, you know, it's not for nothing. So, like, this is awesome. Were the Long Island, that's the best G League team last year? Oh, man. I actually, I should have, we should have looked this up beforehand, but I'm not, I'm not sure. But apparently he won coach of the year, so, so he had to be doing something good. Yeah, so um, like I said, man, it's it's really really good stuff, good stuff all around. I'm happy with how the coaches. I hope that you know Jock Vaughn decided, it and that wasn't all Sean Marks' decision. I like for Jock Vaughn to kind of pick it, but I feel like the, Kevin Ollie was Jock Vaughn's pick, and Burrell was uh, Sean Marks' pick. That's just my that's just that's just my hunch. I'm not I don't know anything, but I kind of have a feeling. I believe Jacques Vaughn and Kevin Ali actually played high school ball either against each other or together or so- something like that. They're both from L.A. They both have ties to the area. Uh, so they, 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 crossed, they crossed into the same circles. They definitely know each other. But uh, two good hires. I can't, you really can't complain. Uh, that's about it. That's, that's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting. Uh, just to add in another, another extra note. The Nets added in Jay Hernandez, the former Hofstra point guard. He was with Charlotte a couple years ago. I, maybe we brought this up last episode, but I just like the staff that that's being put together by Jock Vaughn and Sean Marks. I'm happy that this is really Jock Vaughn's staff and not Steve Nash's staff working with Jock Vaughn. Yeah, uh, that was that must have been awkward for everyone involved, honestly. That whole situation from the get-go, that this whole last year was just one big clusterfuck. Just like the last two years, three, three, four, four, four I don't even know. How many years prior? Just like every year prior. So, and that's for the Nets history. It's not just for the, that's for, that's for like the last 40 years of suffering. Oh boy. Pete, we need a fucking championship. You actually brought this up. I thought this was a very interesting topic, very interesting segment. Which is your favorite Nets alternate court? So obviously we know the Nets have the black and white jerseys. We're talking about our alternate jerseys, the city jerseys, the old urn jersey, the classic jersey, and the court that goes with it. What's your favorite? Personally, I really like the jersey from 2000 to 2022 season, the dark blue um, classic edition jerseys from New Jersey. The court was all uh, dark blue, and then they had the classic uh, Nets emblem, red and white emblem, directly across center court. And uh, then they had also a little tiny old New Jersey Nets logo from the 2000s on the, the corners of the court, which I thought was awesome. They Pretty much paid homage to New Jersey there. But the color design, it was very simple. It was very neat, and I really like how it turned out, and it matched really nice with the jerseys. So wait, is this the uh, is this the tie-dye jerseys, or is this the 75th anniversary jerseys? 
This is this is the seventy fifth anniversary jerseys. Yeah, and they had the logo of the old Nets jersey, but the basketball had, if you remember, had the this this current Nets logo in it. So you had the old New Jersey logo mixed in with the Brooklyn logo. Yep, that's and, I remember, that's a very nice little touch. Mm-hmm. That and like you said, you had Nets in the middle, just from like the the, the tie dye years. My favorite court personally. I'm going to bring up another court that we you didn't think about before. If you remember, they had the uh, the Biggie Kuji court back yeah. when, a couple of years ago with Delo's team when they had the they had the nice Brooklyn Nets logo in the middle. They had the B surrounded by Brooklyn, New York, and then a little Kuji around it. That was a nice jersey. That was a nice court, man. If I had to pick a court, it probably between that or the tie dye court. I really love the tie-dye court because I really thought it was a nice touch, a nice little throwback and homage to that New Jersey Nets jersey and that and that uh, those years or a year that they wore it. There, there was only they only wore that for one year, but I agree, I really like that one too. It was very similar to the uh, 75th anniversary one, classic editions. But personally, the and and also agreeing with you with the Basquiat, there's too much going on in that court, too many different color schemes. I, I know that's the point. Um, the Kuji ones, there was two Kuji ones, a white one and a black one. So I there was the the D'Lo black ones were really nice, but the white one, the first year I believe was with Dur- Durant's first year, right during the Harden trade, or was it the with uh, the Bubble Nets? Had the that white was with the Bubble Nets. Do they have? I don't think they had a court for that, did they? Did they recycle the old ones? Those were the Bed Stuy jerseys, if you remember. Yes. Did they, resty- did they recycle the the other the Kuji court? I think they did, man. I, it sucks, or my, my memory sucks that I'm just remembering all this now. But I, I think they did. But that was a nice court. I like that court. Yeah, I didn't like those Bed Stuy jerseys though. The black Brooklyn Kuji were the best. Okay, if you could pick one of these courts as the worst. Which one do you think might be the worst? The one, it's, this might surprise you considering that this jersey is my favorite jersey. The Brooklyn Bridge? No, no. The worst one for me, the worst one for me, unfortunately, is the Dr. J jerseys. And, and, and the jersey's nice. I love That's my favorite jersey. But the court, it was just plain. It was a little boring. It sucked. Yeah, I didn't like the giant tens on the court either for what for the ten years in Brooklyn. That didn't help. No, just kind of stuck out like a sword. Then they could have done something way cooler. Like they could have just put like stars there. Would have been so sick. But I guess they didn't want to really rip off Philly's court because I think Philly has that. Cares is is that your worst? You would nominate as the worst alternate court for the Nets? I I think. I don't know if there's any more. Do we do we miss any? I think I think that I think that's about it. And uh, you know, if we're wrong, then fuck us. We fucked up. Probably wrong. Most likely wrong. Swamp Dragons never had a court. I sent you a, I sent you a, a, a mock a mock up of a Swamp Dragons court that was straight fire. One day we'll we'll see those beautiful teal and, and purple jerseys in Brooklyn. Yeah, man. I, I, I they gotta do it. They gotta do it one day, man. All right, Charlie, let's get to the wrap-up. First of all, Nets Twitter, NBA Twitter, was set ablaze by a Shams tweet saying that Kyrie Irving is trying to get LeBron James to Dallas. 
What's your first thoughts? Jerry, right. why would LeBron leave LA after making it as far as they did? How would he even? How would, I don't even know how both teams would even get that to work. I mean, LeBron's just been signing one-year deals, hasn't he? I can't see Kyrie Irving getting a max deal, Doncic being on a max deal, and then LeBron being on a close to max deal, all on one team. It, it, it won't make sense. Supposedly, Mark Cuban and Kyrie Irving had a Kanji agreement on a max deal before they made the trade, allegedly. Things changed. Uh, but as far as LeBron goes, I, I honestly, it would be really funny. It's just funny how full circle the NBA comes. Uh, Kyrie wanted to leave LeBron, and now he wants him back. The only thing that I do know for a fact, and NBA fans do know for a fact, is that Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks are kind of handcuffed right now. They are gonna. They were kind of in the situation that we were in, that we had to give Kyrie a max deal or get rid of him. And uh, obviously they can't get rid of him now because he's going to be a free agent. So their only option left is to sign him to a big deal. You watch the finals at all? I've been, I caught the first little bit of the first game. Um, and then I, I saw some highlights from the last game. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it's going to be a good series. Two really good teams. Like the Heat just seemed to be on a fucking – I don't know, man. Just They just seem to be a team possessed, even though they're just doing it in the, the weirdest ways. They're not doing They're not doing it pretty. They're, you know, they almost fucking blew it against the Celtics. You know, they, they had a grind-out grind, grind out series against the Knicks. They fucking beat the Bucs. I mean, they they went through it, man. The Heat, the Heat are just, I feel like, so fucking determined. But, man, the Nuggets are really good. But I don't know, man. I – I thought the Nuggets were virtually invincible, but last game, I don't know, they seemed to stop Jokic a little bit. They seemed to be able to slow him down. So, I don't know. I want to see Denver Winks. I like the Nuggets a lot. But also, I wouldn't be upset if the Heat Winks, I respect it, because they fucking, an eight seed winning the uh, NBA championship will be really something. Yeah, I'll be very honest with you, Charlie. I don't watch the finals. I watch the highlights for the podcast. I might do like a little research just to look at a couple things. But just from the eye test, from the regular season, I picked Denver in five. I'm going to stick with Denver in five. Uh, I think the talent is too much. I think Eric Spolster could steal a game here. I think Jimmy Butler and, you know, and his cast of role players with Bam could steal a game, and they did. Uh, I I don't know if they could do that again. I I really don't. But it's going to be interesting seeing how the Nuggets react to game three in Miami with that like crazy crowd. It's going to really tell you if if the Nuggets are built for this or not. Yeah, man, I I, I think Jokic is a hell of a goddamn player and he's he's not, he's nuts, but time out, time out. Is he the best player in the NBA right now? I I think so. Yeah, I I think right? I mean, he's putting up, he's putting up triple doubles every night. He's doing it with every every possible aspect aspect of the game, shooting Posting up, defense, passing, rebounding. I mean, he's literally doing everything. So the only thing he's not doing is really fast break offense and, and you know, and, and running up the court. But I don't expect the center to do that unless you're Shaq, prime, prime Shaquille O'Neal, or young rookie Shaquille O'Neal. You know, I, I don't – I think you would be expecting too much of him. But he's pretty much an overall, as far as a center and a big man goes, he's a complete big man. He's the complete big man. 
I, I yeah, I gotta agree at this point. I I gotta agree. All right, Charlie. Anything else you want to do before uh, before I, I take us out? Let it be known, Miles Morales is a Nets fan. So Spider Man is a Nets fan. Just saying, he's got a little Brooklyn Nets uh, poster in his in his on his wall in the movie. So I saw that. I was hyped. Shout out to Nets. Okay, guys, you could check us out at Netfans. You know, on Twitter, YouTube, the only Netfans you know on Instagram. Have a good day. Have a great night. If you're listening to this during your commute, have a great day at work. Safe. And uh, we'll see you next time. We're out. So when do you think some actual news is going to happen as opposed to this little these little trinkets we, we talk about? You think we're going to have a bombshell soon?